Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to another episode of the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio from the University of British Columbia. If you're listening to this show on the podcast, this is episode 197. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And, well, this was a show where I thought, you know what, it's a DC United, we're not going to have that much to talk about. Let's get lots of audio to play in the show to kind of fill in the gaps. Well, how wrong was I? We'll, we'll get to all that in a few minutes, but there's a lot to cover. We've got the DC United game at BC Place on Saturday. We've got the Montreal game on Tuesday night. We also have the Montreal game coming up this Tuesday night and then Atlanta coming up as well. Busy, busy week for Whitecaps. Busy week for the fans. Hopefully it's going to end up a little bit more successful than it it did yesterday. Before we get into all that, this show is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for all your local, national and international soccer links and news. Check it out on bcsoccerweb.com. Let's just get straight to it. Whitecaps, 1-0 loss to DC United. Not what anyone was expecting and if you had kind of scripted how the game was going to be playing out, I don't think anyone would have got how that happened. No. Uh, it was an incredibly frustrating evening. I mean, you know, you'll say there's lots of ways to look at this, right? Or I think there's a couple of ways to look at this, at least. One is, uh, and I think people like yourself, Michael, were saying this on Twitter and stuff and in your, your report, but of the match, but if you don't take your chances, you're you're not going to win. Um, and that and, and there's a lot of truth in this case. We created a number of good chances. Uh, we did our best to test uh, the frame of the the goals at BC Place, and um, yeah, we we failed to find the back of the net. And then, unfortunately, instead of our our lack of, of, of being proficient in front of a goal uh, costing us two points and us only getting uh, one point from the match. The Ultimately, the match was really decided by a, a very poor decision by the referee that, that gifted DC United the three points and leaves us incredibly disappointed and frustrated. 
Yeah, but my 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 biggest feeling about the uh this this game was that even despite the one penalty, there was um there was plenty of opportunities for the Whitecaps to win this game. It was a lot of uh, chances that you wish they could have buried, but then you got a goalkeeper who was so hot and so seems so unbeatable. Um, he was stopping shots left, right, and center, uh, four shots in total. But I think you could say almost all of them were quality chances and chances that you think the Whitecaps would bury normally. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you when you go through when you go through the game, I uh, went back and watched the game on on the PVR to just to see, okay, well, you know, what did I miss and, you know, what were some of the focal points of the match? You, you saw that. There was so many, there were so many chances that we created, as you, as you said, Steve. It was really, really disappointing. I mean, it started, um, it started kind of about, you know, 19, 20 minutes in when we had this, uh, we had, we had the bug with a header off the bar. Right, so I think just wrapping your head around the bug, winning a header in, in the box, yeah, and getting off the bar was one thing, and then get to Waston with a half bicycle kick or whatever, yeah, you want to call off it. off the free off the off the follow up corner, Kendall, yeah, with an over, over the shoulder overheadish kind of kick, also hits the bar. It, you you kind of felt like okay, it's gonna come, it's gonna come, but it didn't. Um, and DC had a bit of had a bit of a spell. They even had a half chance about ten minutes later. Uh, they had a half chance where, thanks to a, a Jordan Harvey, uh, a block, he blocked uh, Ortiz, uh, a very important player in DC United's uh, for DC United that night. Um, blocked, blocked probably their best chance of of the half. What did what did you think about about that? I know Jordan. It felt like to me Jordan had a bit of a better game than he's had for most of this this season. Yeah, he still. He still wasn't at the, the Harvey that we saw 2015, those kind of levels. He has dipped a little bit. And it's it's tough because I think the rest of the defence is playing better. So it's, it's maybe exposing some of the little things that Jordan isn't doing a, a, a bit more. Because Williams is having such a great game on the right side. And then if Jordan's not doing the same things. But, I mean, he, he did have a couple of good shots and... Lots of other things as well, but let's just let's get to let's get to the crux of it. Let's get to the tail of two penalties. Well, if you if you look at the, the tail of two penalties, right off the bat, I think neither penalty should have been called. Definitely. Um, well, well I, I say definitely, but there's a bit of debate about the Whitecaps one that I've had with a few folk today. But the first one, the DC one, definitely not a penalty. No, there was no contact at all. Well, okay. Uh, Kendall may Kendall's arm may have touched him. It wasn't enough, but it was yeah. It was not. It was not a foul. There's no way it was a foul. The, There's no the, way that that contact impeded him. The way and he the, chose to go down. The way that Ortiz fell, it didn't come from being touched by an arm. Right. It, it, he totally. fe- he he dove. Well, let's just say it, he dove, he basically took, making it seem like that he got kicked out. Right. And he felt he he maybe he felt Kendall's arm graze him. He took a step and then jumped in the air and yeah, and dove. Yeah. And the fact that this is a guy that just a week ago embellished in his game against Chicago and got a fine during the week from Disco. Yeah, that that wasn't a penalty. That was more, it was just in the midfield. Uh, midf- yeah, it was, it was a bizarre one because it was just in the middle of the pitch and didn't really mean for anything. But, I mean, he's already had a fine. So you think that would put him on warning. But he 
went down. He flopped in the box. They won a penalty. They scored from a penalty. It proved to be the ultimately the winning goal. And you then have to look at what what is he going to have as punishment? Now, it doesn't matter because DC's got the three points. But for me, he has to have a suspension. And because it is a second offence, for me, I would like to see at least a two-game suspension. On top of that, I would also like to see Stoic arrested for at least a week. Well, and that was so that was part of the problem is he uh, called something he didn't see because exactly. the reverse angle I think from both behind of them, the goal. Both of them he didn't see. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. He he tells he, when we get to the second one, he'll tell you he made the call, but yeah, he did not see it. So, yeah. no, this one he clearly did not see. When you look at the, the 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 replay from behind the goal, you can see Tony Chani is blocking his view, and all he sees is either a little bit of him going down from one side or a little bit of him going from down from the other side. It would be interesting to have his view because he might have just seen Kendall's arm move and then the next thing he sees the guy in the deck, so he's made a, an assumption. Or he just hasn't seen anything, saw Kendall there and the guy down and just thought, oh, it's Kendall, Kendall Waston, it's going to be a penalty. Which is actually, which is so shockingly yes. poor. You cannot make a decision if you didn't see it. That's why there's assistant referees there to help you. That's why in the future, there's going to, for good well, or for worse, there's going to be VAR to help you. Well, well if you think of it, if, if VAR was in place, that probably wouldn't be a call at, uh, to yesterday. No. I mean, it, I think if, if they would oh, have reviewed no, it, yeah. it would have been clear no totally. call. No, no and chance. then you would probably have had a booking for Ortiz as well for simulation. And instead of all that, you've now got the case where DC United's got three points. The, the Whitecaps got their own penalty. And of course, they missed it. For you, was that a penalty? When we were talking actually earlier today yeah. at WC2, I was like, oh, I could see, I, I, I could see why it shouldn't be given. I watched it again, actually, after that. I went home before heading into the city. I watched it again, and I see both sides on it. I see, yes, okay, you don't want to give it because he got the header and the contact came after and the keeper appears to be honestly coming for the ball with his fists. Um, but at the same time, if that, if, for example, if that, if that play happened anywhere else in the box, if a guy had the ball and – uh, if a guy played the ball and yeah, the defender that, that came... Yeah, that was what I was reading def- someone yeah. saying. Defender comes through and misses the ball and totally takes off the guy. You'd give a free kick. Yes. You'd give a yellow card. You'd give a red card, whatever appropriate. And so I don't have I don't have a problem with yeah. it. I could, I could, if you're DC, you probably feel hard, hard, hard done by before it's taken. You feel like... I mean, Ben Olsen was like, why is he talking to the referee's assistant? You should know what's going on here. There's well, nothing the fact the game had continued as yes. well. So I could, yeah. And I didn't see a flag going up from, from the no. linesman either. And it's just when the Whitecaps players went to him that everything kind of stopped. And Well, he only stopped. I think he only stopped because someone, I think they said uh, Breck, Breck has a head injury. I think that if you go back and watch it, the ball's not out of play when he blows the whistle. He blows it before it goes out of play. And it's, I think, because he's someone has yelled, hey, he's down with a head injury. Or he turned around and, yeah. he turned around and looked and, oh, he's down and he's holding his, or his hands are near his head. And, yeah. But I, I, I don't have a problem with it given. I think if you're DC, you can maybe feel it's a little bit a little bit harsh. Yesterday, I thought neither were penalties. I have been convinced that the Whitecaps won probably should have been a penalty. And I, I do see like both parts of it because, I mean, we're going to he- hear from Bel Hamid later in the show. And he basically said that's how he's been taught to play as a goalkeeper since he was aged five. It's like you go for the ball like that. And if Breck hadn't headed the ball... 
Hamid would probably have punched the ball. Instead, he punched Brick in the face, and then I, th- I think that is where the penalty was given. Of course, it was then subsequently missed, and let- let's just have a quick chat about the penalty takers. I meant to ask Robbo this on Friday at training, and I'd forgotten. So then when the penalty took place, I was like, oh, is Montero going to take it again? And then Teixeira picked the ball up, and then there was a little bit of to and fro in between Montero and Teixeira. Then after the match, Robo reveals that Teixeira was the guy that was named as the penalty right. taker. So in that case, Montero should not be trying to get the ball. And who knows, maybe that put him off a little bit and settled him a little bit. It's maybe just making excuses. I do think the penalty, the way that Teixeira took it, and I was happy that he took it, and I thought he was a given to score. I just feel that the kind of game that Hamid had got, that Teixeira in his mind was thinking... I really need to place this in the corner because this guy's been standing on his head today. So this has to be a perfect placement. And he just hit it slightly too far over and crashed off the post. Yeah, so there were I experienced it two ways. In the stadium, it did not feel, it did not look good. You have two players. We've missed two penalties. The guy who's been taking them is fighting with a guy who wants to take it. The only good moment of it in the stadium for me was when Kendall came over and played the role of the captain and talked it out with the players. And uh, appeared like ultimately played out the coach's plan, which is kind of what a captain's supposed to do. When I watched it back on the on the uh, the, the broadcast, Pete Chad is saying, "Oh, El Bicho is supposed to take it." Robbo's told the players he's supposed to take it for this game. So people watching on TV, and you didn't see nearly as much as the discussion, shall we say? And you didn't see yeah. Kendall coming in and all that kind of. Stuff. You didn't see that on the broadcast. So it was kind of just like, oh, and and the, the good part of the, the, the broadcast is at the end, the last thing you see before the penalty is is you see a pat on the back, like, yeah, go you go take it, you go take it. And it kind of looked more positive. It, it, it looks like he's going, go on, you can do it. Yeah. I missed last week. But yeah. that, if you hadn't, yeah, as you say, if you weren't yes. in the stadium and saw it play out, yeah. that's the, how you're going to think. In the stadium, but... it felt like, wow, this is not healthy. This is, there's some... There's some un- unhealthy relationships or unhealthy yeah. things going on here. Now, uh, talking about the penalty specifically, and I apologize if you guys talked about this. I was doing something over here uh, with the audio. Um, do you guys feel like the way that Hamid played during the game and the saves he made, you talked about this, that it played a part in there? Yes. Okay, so yeah. just to recap that. No. <laughs> hey, hey, that that bandana looks amazing. Thank you. What is on, What is that, a dragon? Looks like a dragon. Looks like a dragon. Yeah. Yeah, it's Did- like... Steve is channeling his inner Bruce Lee or his outer Bruce Lee. Yeah, I wish I was channeling I, more and focusing more on the actual I was, audio. I was thinking, oh, it's fine. I haven't got headphones at work, so I don't know what's going on. So I, it's all I, good. Was, I was thinking Karate Kid, but yeah, no. No, and I, I, I figured out what's going on. I'll fix your headphones in the break. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's have a little kind of a break now. We're going to hear from both coaches. Just their, their thoughts, a little bit on the game. Um, I don't usually play the audio from Robo because you can get it on the White Cap site. But I felt, just because of the, the controversies over the two penalties, it was just worth hearing from Ben Olsen and Robbo about the big talking points, about the penalties, about the refereeing, and in particular, Robbo going off on Stoika, MLS refereeing, and just, I guess, pro referees in, in general. So here is Ben Olsen and Carol Robinson. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'll have to look at it again. But uh, fortunately, we had, you know, Bill, Bill played great. And when you have a goalkeeper with that type of presence, uh, you know, sometimes uh, the, post, the post is your friend as well. Um, so uh, gutsy stuff from our group. You know, they were good. They, you know, they obviously put together uh, uh, quite a few shots and, and, and they were dangerous throughout the game. Uh, and we hung on uh, for three points. But sometimes that's what you have to do in the MLS to get uh, to win on the road. And it was never going to be easy uh, to stop, you know, the the, the, uh, the losing streak that we, we we've been on. Uh, so uh, we're, we're obviously very happy that that we're able to come away with uh, the points. Now I know you said you haven't seen the replay yet of the penalty. It does look like there is no contact with Ortiz getting fined last week for embellishment. Are you worried that he may get a reputation? I didn't see the replay of the uh, the penalty, um, so I'll not comment on that. Uh, that's all I got. Did you uh, receive uh, an explanation about the penalty? The White Caps were awarded in injury time. Well, yeah, I, I think Bill got a pretty good piece of Breck. Um, uh, you know whether it's a natural goalkeeper's play uh, or, uh, or a PK, um, they the linesmen seem to talk uh, uh, the ref into a PK. So you know I think everybody saw what happened and the linesmen uh, talked him into it. But again, if our PK was a little dubious, then maybe it all evens out and the post was on our side today. Do you have a problem with the way the decision went down, or uh, are you accepting? Yeah, of course I have a problem with the way the decision went down. There's nothing I can do about it now. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, again, I, I think, uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know. Uh, I'm not an expert in referees. Without getting you fined, what did you... Awful. Okay. <laughs> when it comes down to that, you lose, obviously, bad penalty call on one end. What, what did you think of the Whitecaps call on the other end? Did you think either were penalties? Uh, I haven't seen our penalty. I've seen their penalty. It's an awful call. And it's had a major impact in the game. Uh, and usually I don't say, um, criticise anything that officials do because they ha- have a hard enough job. But um, this official seems to cost us a lot. So uh, it's unfortunate. We should score one of our chances, but I think DC United came with a, a game plan tonight to try and get a point. Uh, and they were gifted three by a wrong call. And it's, for me, it's, it's, I could say it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Because we're talking about professional sports now. So it's not okay. Aside from the penalty, Enough chance to generate three crossbars, a a post, missed penalty. When when you look at that and also the performance of Bill Hamid, do you just kind of chalk it down that it just wasn't your day? It wasn't our day. Sometimes the soccer gods don't uh, look out for you. And today was that day. And I had a feeling in the first half when we hit the post and the bar and missed one or two good chances. Bill's a good goalie, we know that. 
arguably one of the best in the league and he come up big from today but we were disappointed we missed a number of chances but you know when you miss a number of chances and, and calls are made correctly you draw the game 0-0 Carl, does MLS end up in this place too many times trying to explain a call, trying to... It just seems we have... Yeah. You've been in, you've been trying to make sense of these things too often for a professional league. Too many times. And I try and explain them to you, but it shouldn't be my job to explain them to you, I don't think. You know, I watched the FA Cup final today and Bobby Madley, he sent a boy off for a second yellow card in simulation. Top, top official. Making correct decisions professional football we're, we're professional football here as well so uh, yeah I wish you could speak to the right people you've been in the game long enough that yeah. when you're introducing technology stuff like VAR there's always some folk that want traditional stuff and they don't want it and what's your thoughts on that you just can you not wait for it to, to come into this league now uh, I'm a firm believer of football's pretty simple you know you attack and you defend and uh, you try and score goals and, and uh, not concede them the more complicated you make it, the bigger issues arise. And I think that's the same with officiating. I really do. You know, it's human error, human mistakes, coaches' mistakes, players' mistakes. It happens. But when you've got in your mind that you want to do something and want to give something and want to say something, <laughs> it's amazing what your mind does. So Carl Robinson and Ben Olsen there. I'm a lot happier now because I've got headphones at work so I can actually hear that the show is going out and I'm not trying to just lip read what, what Zach and Steve are saying. Um, but yeah, some interesting comments there. Now, one of the things when we're listening to it there is that you're mentioning, you, you weren't a big fan of Robbo mentioning the FA Cup final referee. No, I, well, I think he, I think it was fair to give the second yellow to Moses for simulation. Oh, yeah. Off. That was fair. I uh, I think he had a howler on Arsenal's opening goal where uh, I think it was Sanchez, Alexi, Alexi Sanchez, like almost like double-fisted volleyballed the ball forward to himself. And Ramsey's body position to me was interfering with play. Like he almost sh- almost turned to shape like he was going to shoot it and then held off. And I don't think that goal should have been allowed to stand for one or both of those reasons. And yeah, and I felt that was poor. I, I felt he got the, the Moses thing. It, it was hard. You can't argue against that. I don't think. When I was listening to when I asked Robo the question about the VAR yesterday, I initially. Because there was so much going on trying to take it, and I couldn't quite work out whether he was pro VAR or anti VAR. But I, I think he's he's not really in favour of it. No, he sounded like from that. Listen, to that it sounds yeah. like he's anti VAR. Like he, the more the more people you bring I, into it, the more chance for it to get screwed up. I think he. I think ultimately his and everybody's first preference is to have officials that call. Well, you can't have everything called correctly. It's never going to happen. But get the obvious calls called correctly right and i think that's what he would want number one and almost every coach wants that because they don't want nobody wants technology brought into no but there's there's always going to be human error as well and and there are but you don't want ones that are too obvious watching the game one thing about the refereeing watching the game back aside from getting the turning point or the the game deciding moment wrong I didn't really think that actually Soren Stoika had that bad of a, of, a, of a game. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think it was like horrendous. But and again, 
uh, like I said earlier, I don't think it was came down just to the penalty. I think they should have had the game put away before oh, that. Yeah, like I, I think the game should have been like done and dusted before that penalty went in. And I don't disagree with that, yeah. Steve. However, that game, that, sorry, that moment in the game that decided. Uh, they, the game. They, they decided. I agree right. with you. It there, changed but, the game. Yeah. You wish that, it, that it decided didn't even come, the you game. Wish, you wish it was just something that ruined Elstead's, uh clean sheet. <laughs> and that, that's all it should have yeah. been. It should have been three one or something at right. that point. And the, yeah, I mean the caps. You're playing a, a team that hasn't scored. You're playing a team that's on a three-game losing streak. That was a, a travel across country. Yeah, it was a game that was there for the taking. Like or- Ortiz was actually a surprise starter because they thought Mullins would get the start. So it was possible that Ortiz played because Mullins. They've got an eye on Wednesday's game in or in Orlando, and he's going to start then. So everything was in the Whitecaps' favour. They created twenty-two chances. Mm. But they only forced Belhamid to make four saves. Yeah, but what like three of them were quality, quality saves, saves. Yeah. and of course three crossbars uh, and a pole. But yeah, I mean those missed chances is ultimately what's cost the Whitecaps. So the, the refereeing cost the Whitecaps two points. Yes, yeah, I agree with that because they should have got one point because it would have been a nil nil draw, and it was the missed opportunities that cost them three points. Yeah, or and also in one sense cost them one. Yeah. It's just too much math going yeah, on. Yeah, I know. This is, it's too late at night to we're, try and do math. We're away from the numbers, so. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit more about the DC game and some of the players and some of the performances and bring some audio from the DC side. Steve's having an absolute nightmare it's, night on the It's board. not my fault. It's the technology <laughs> is not working out for me today. <laughs> We missed. Uh, we did miss you while you were gone. I, I, yeah. I'm st- I think I'm still Welcome on. Back. I'm still on San Diego time, even though it's the same time zone. Go ahead yourself, San Diego. <laughs> Stay classy. Yeah. Anyway, you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, and we're going to have a little bit more chat now about the DC United game, and what Zach was eager to talk about earlier. We're going to talk a little bit about the lineup and the bench because I've got some issues with the bench. But the lineup, first of all, we knew there was going to be a change. We knew that Laba wasn't going to be playing. So it was whether they were going to still go 4 1 4 1 or the 4 2 3 1. For me, Davies was always going to be the guy that came in. But it was, it was, they kept, they brought Davies in, but they kept the, the same formation. They, they did. And, I- there were some pros and some cons to that I felt. I felt like with the with the four two three one in this game, I felt like they kind of continued some of what they've been doing for the last few games with the four one four one or however you want to describe that. And uh, I, one of the things I liked is the they varied their they continued to vary their play in terms of their buildup was both possession based, but they were also like they did against Kansas City. They were also looking for some. The occasional pinpoint ball over the top um, to expose the the DC back line, and so I felt like that was really good. One other thing I think that worked kind of differently with with the four two three one because compared to the four one four one was that because Bola was in the middle of the park, you I think we saw a number of times throughout the game where they would overload one side of the pitch. So 
either Bola would move over, or there was even times where the opposite winger, that both wingers were kind of on, yeah. the, on the same side. And it looked like they were being very intentional about having those overloads, about having those those times where they were outnumbered, outnumbering the DC player, whether it was two to one or three to two. Uh, and we saw, like, for example, in the, it was around, like, I think the 39th minute in the first half, Bola set up Davies for a really good chance, a, a decent chance that he put into the side ending when he probably should have went across goal. Yeah. But it was it was from one of those overloads that that came. I mean, that was one of those ones you have to really hit the target fr- from there. It's like, even if the keeper saves it, it's like hitting it in the side net and it's kind of unacceptable. Yeah, you want the you want to get it on target, like you said, on the keeper. Maybe he spills it into the middle and yeah. somebody can easy pot an easy goal. I felt like the, um, the uh, DC uh, kind of gave the ball to the Whitecaps and made them take the possession. Instead of, you know, all season long, the Whitecaps haven't had the favorite possession. I think that plays into the Whitecaps' uh, role, and that, I think that's what they want to do. I think I think they kind of gave the possession to DC United and DC. I'm oh, sorry, they to the DC United gave it to the Whitecaps, and that allowed them to take it over. Interesting. Say, sorry, say that one more time again. So I think I think DC United played it to where they allowed the Whitecaps to build up play more, so they could counter them. To they counter yeah. them, and I think that that kind of worked against the, what the Whitecaps have been doing, where they've been like you said, attacking them. Uh, pressuring them deep in their zone. Yeah. Um, it seemed like the DC was happy to just give it away sometimes, at some points. They, they basically played a, a Whitecaps road game. Yeah. So they, they played the Whitecaps game against them, and uh, it shows you how successful it is. Okay, no, okay, okay. I, do you re- okay, I, obviously, ultimately, the result, yes, they were successful, but I don't think, I don't think Ben Olsen's being like, yeah, we we did really good. They gave they it, gave up too many quality chances. It definitely sounded like that. That even even I could tell you like in your, uh, you, I don't know if you'll hear it in their comments, but the locker room while they were happy, they weren't overjoyous. No, there was no joy in the locker room uh, when the DC United players were milling about, you know, getting ready to go with the next one. Because it was a tainted victory and they knew it was tainted. Exactly. No, they knew. I wanted to actually ask Ben Olsen if he felt it was tainted, but he made it very clear he hadn't seen the penalty incident. Right. Well, you gave him the option. But but honestly, when when they sit down and and honestly analyze the game, they won't be like, oh, our tactics worked great. They'll be like, no. We got lucky. They hit the bar and Bill Bill made some great saves and they they missed their penalty and... We were gifted one. Like I, th- that's yeah. what they're going to say. Now, the thing I wanted to mention about the subs bench, they had no striker on it. Now Kyle Gregg had got a few minutes, so he's back healthy. If there was any game that we've played recently that was screaming out for you to bring in another striker, it was that game yesterday. And I, I don't understand the amount of defensive midfielder subs that were on the bench. And not one striker. The the one that surprised me was Jake Nowinski. Um, yeah. That one that one didn't really make sense only because um, Parker could easily go to the right back if they need to bring in. They need to, they can easily I, yeah. make adjustments. AJ can go to but maybe back maybe and... they just assumed that they would have had this game in the bag by the halftime and maybe uh, and that's the reason why they didn't need a striker. But that was also then the kind of game to give Greg a run out and like if the thunk thinking was yeah we're going to have a two three nil victory this is going to be quite easy. Then we bring Freddie off with maybe 15, 20 minutes to go if the game's in the bag. You give Kyle Gregg a, a decent run out, get him up to fitness level, get his confidence going in MLS. None of that happened. Okay, one one question about 
about Kyle Gregg is... Is he on fire? He's not yet on fire, although that song is enjoyable to sing. Is any of that holding him back for for Tuesday? I know know we're going to talk about that more later, but... Well, when you say holding him back... I don't think... Meaning he... Are they planning on starting him on Tuesday? No. no. Okay. okay. I, I don't see that happening. I, oh, we were, we were in unison there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, well, I just wanted to hear you say that. All no, right. I think Shea will start. Well, yeah. we'll talk about that yeah. later. So, so for, well, for one, one more thing about Kyle Gregg. First off, uh, yeah, I, I think it was unfortunate that he wasn't in the 18, wasn't, wasn't given the opportunity. On a personal note, congratulations to him and his wife, Emily, as they're expecting their, their first child. Oh, congratulations. Well, maybe that was the reason why it wasn't. Maybe it would need to be made No, the available. first child wasn't born, so I oh. don't think that's... <laughs> Still a long way to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think there's some months to go. Oh, is there? I don't know. Well, they made, they made like, their social media announcements. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, uh, another but, potential Canadian international. Yeah. And the thing about Greg is is that he, he provides something different off the bench as a striker. Yeah. Like, Shea oh, obviously has size, height. yeah, but he doesn't have the same... Uh, set of skills that Kyle Gregg has. So I will. I do want to counter your point in one way, though, Michael. Um, I don't. I don't fancy Shea as a striker. Like to me, he's not an honest striker, even though we've used him there and used him there to some effect, to be honest. But I still don't think that's where he should be played. The one thing I'll say, though, in counter to your point of there being an out and out striker on the on the bench, the three subs we did make were all very attack minded, and all those players, even if one of them was in the ninetieth minute. Right, he got, he got five minutes. Was on the was on the pitch there when we because yeah, there was no one else you could bring on by that point. Oh, uh, Chris. but 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 he but he is a, he is a he's no yeah. he's not you're not bringing him on to defend. No. You took off the right back and you brought an attacking wide wide right, wide right mid player. Chris makes a point on Twitter. Uh, Shea, uh, Shea, I'm sorry, I'm Chris Corrigan. Get in if you're listening to this. Give us a call. We'll get you back in the studio soon. He said Greg wouldn't have played anyway. Subs were needed for the knocks. The injured players. Hmm. So, but but the but we're talking about the option off the bench. No, but Shannon Shannon wasn't taken off for for injury. I know he was taken off late, but he wasn't yeah. taken off no. for injury. That was to bring on an attacking player to try and get. This could a have goal. been a big target guy. It, no, it could have. But at least, at least, attacking player was like three yeah, different would, three different attacking players were were brought on. Shea uh, Breck Shea and I think. Uh, Memory serves me. Nico both did make contributions in their in their and time. And Rosales, on. which I think is the actual player. Yeah, now that he, I think of it, Rosales shouldn't have been on the bench, and I would have had Greg instead because you still have Breck Shea to play as a wing. So I think that's the yeah. guy that shouldn't have been there. I now, take back Nowitzki. Nowitzki, you can be on the bench. Now we talked about Bolanius a little bit there, and there was a lot of folk didn't think he had a very good game. They, he's been good. He's leading the, the the team and getting key plays and key crosses and but yesterday wasn't one of his better outings. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean I understand why people would I understand how it can be perceived that way, but I, I still think he did create. Uh I think guys didn't didn't always do the the best to finish. I think his some of his set pieces weren't as obviously as good as as crisp. As sure, as crisp as some of his uh, his have been earlier this season, which have obviously led to goals, but I still think, I still think he, he was he's the right like 
Are you just saying he had a bad game, Michael, or they should have put someone else in because he's been playing so much? Or no, it, it, they just didn't. A lot of folk just didn't feel he had that good a game. I didn't think he had that bad a game. I, I, I think, think I think what people either. might have seen is the frustration he had, and he kind of. I don't. I don't want to say give gave up near the end, but he wasn't putting the the full. He wasn't using his full imagination on well, those plays. I, I actually and it seemed saw, like he, it seemed like he had kind of got frustrated that those, like you said, those chances weren't finished. Yeah, I mean, in, in the second half, I actually thought Bola was he was like all over the pitch in a good way. Yeah, like he was buzzing about. He was on the left wing. He was on the right wing. He was in the middle. He was trying to make things happen. But there was some and there instances. was maybe an element of frustration. There, there. was definitely frustration yeah. at the end of the plays. Maybe people saw that and thought he wasn't well, in the, in participating. The fi- in about the fiftieth minute, he was extremely frustrated when he was trying to make, come in from the right wing, and all of a sudden his footing kind of gave out yeah. and like it was the kind of in surface. front of us, and it was in front of us, and you could tell he was not happy with yeah. the surface. Bloody turf. The, 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 the for sure the turf. Maybe maybe his boots, maybe the watering at halftime, whatever. Like they wa- he was, he they was fully was zombied that uh, pitch. Zombied? Z- no, I'm trying to say it's a zamboni with oh, water yeah. was zombie. Is that dragon headband too tight? <laughs> too tight. Too tight. Too tight. Um, now you mentioned there that you felt that he maybe didn't give the full ninety, and he. No, I I, I think people saw that. Yeah. I thought I thought he was pretty good. Yes, not pretty good. I thought he was solid yesterday. He wasn't obviously the the player you want him to be because he, yeah. he is the most creative. And he player is going to be tired because he has been playing a lot. But yeah. another player that a, a lot of the online chatter on the Southsiders forum or on Twitter that felt that he maybe wasn't fully committed, wasn't giving it his all, was Freddie Montero. The, now, the Southsiders Forum is a very dark place sometimes. and You should go there at your own risk. Yes. I, actually, it, it's, it's now... not as dark as the it, Facebook no, page. It's now... The, on, it's now. I don't know if this is... Uh, there, there's one positive guy always, no. forever a team. He's always a positive oh, guy. Oh, he's that, so on, annoying. <laughs> He always signs it up, up forever, a team. Yeah, so, fat. Yeah, he's definitely fat. So, no, the, uh, it's, I think it's unmoderated now. It so is. it's actually become a little bit of a more uh, safe, safe place to be. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> no, it's, unmoderated it's, means so safe? It's, it's different. Well, I think now that it's unmoderated, I think there's different – I think people are respecting each other a little bit more. Oh, wow. And there's actually it, some – com- weird, yeah. There's definitely some conversations there that would have been shut down in the past. Yep. But they're just, okay, you want to talk about that topic? Go yeah. ahead. Politics, religion, yeah. all the no-nos. It's like it's actually getting done in – it's a respectful manner, but when, when it was moderated, it, that was when it wasn't respectful. Yeah, very weird. But anyway, a lot of chatter that people just did, haven't thought that Montero had a good game. And some people even going as far as saying that they just didn't feel that his heart was with the club and that he was giving it his all, which I think is absolute bollocks. But you just have to listen to him in interviews. You just had to see how much he tracked back yesterday to try and get the ball. He's on a five-game streak without a goal. And it's not for the lack of trying. It's for the lack of service as far as I'm concerned. One of the things about this formation and even a little bit about the four-one-four-one is you're right. He does get left out on an island. And even with the, some of those positive overloads we were talking about, some of that even isolates him even more if he doesn't read it well enough to, to kind of position himself to be a part of it or to be a, uh, to be a link into it. Um, 
I think, I mean, I think to be honest, I mean, my feelings aside about, you know, where he's played in the past, I think he has been quite professional in the way he's handled himself, I think, on and off the pitch. And so I I, I heard some of those perspectives shared, and I kind of felt like they were probably a little bit unwarranted, especially because of the fact that he is so lonely often uh, on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, he he's... We talked about he's a streaky player. And just now, the streak that he's going through is not a great one. But I just don't think you can you can fault his effort. I mean, he keeps talking about he's a Vancouver player now. He's talk, looking ahead to the playoffs. He's wanting the team to do well. You just have to see him at training and you know that he, he is a... He's a team guy right now. Yeah, I, I think he just didn't connect on the shots yesterday. I think there was he had opportunity. He was... He was like he was, especially on set pieces, the corners. He was getting like right into Bill Hamid and trying to slow him down and from coming off the line and really putting his like in the box and everything. So I think he showed effort. I think he just couldn't connect on the shots. And if you really do like him and care about him and want to give those entrusted be stewards of our club your money, they've gone out of their way to make their first ever player specific. So I haven't seen it with my eyes. I was just told about this. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. But uh, he, You're going to speculate. There is the a radio? there is a scarf you can buy with his name on it. Uh, does it have a, a picture of him as well, or does uh, it just say Freddie? Or I'm not sure. Is it silver? I'm not sure. Is it silver? I, I do think they've kind of like no one has seen Eric Hurtado for. Weeks. Oh no! I literally saw him today. Sorry. Zach is the only person to have seen <laughs> Eric Hurtado for weeks. No, no, there was a bunch of us. Actually, there. I tell you who I saw today, and I nearly fell off my seat. Debbie Flores. What? Yeah. Really? Debbie Flores not, was not at the on. Whitecaps 2 game. Oh, he was there? Too. Yeah. He was just dressed in his normal gear and he was wandering about after the after the match. Um, that'll please Whitecaps Scarf on Twitter who keeps asking, where is Debbie Flores? Well, he's here in Vancouver. He's in Langley. And he seemed to be listening to his iPad. No, iPad. iPhone? iPhone. I iTunes. iPod. iPod. That's the word I'm looking for. You know technology. They didn't have all it's this. probably an there. iPhone, Michael. Might have been. He was he was holding a little device. I thought it was possibly a Sony Walkman, and he had his cassette going, or listening to the wireless, which of course everyone is doing just now. Anyway, Eric Hurtado. He's the boots off. He hasn't been at training at all. Like everyone was back at training this week in some capacity. Christian Dean was there. Can I just? He, he was at the stadium last Saturday when they were training. Yeah. I think everybody's got their boot off. Even Reina. Reina had a Reina, couple weeks ago. Reina. Reina was uh, on his. Reina. Uh, he was dancing. Yeah. He was dancing on Instagram or something. I saw him running across the pitch. Well, he, he'll be good. So let's get to some tweets, and then we're going to hear some audio from DC. Gideon. Remember him from last week? Oh, nice young fellow. Can't wait to meet him. He wants to know, if that penalty was called, wasn't Parker the one that partially initiated the contact from Ortiz? And also, was that, why call a makeup PK? He feels it was a makeup penalty that, that the Whitecaps got. Well, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that in some sense, Stoika was, you know... Wanted to make up for what he didn't see. Now, one thing, a couple things I noticed that when the replay was shown on the big screen, I, I thought I noticed the fourth official looking up at the screen. 
he took a peek when Ooh. when the screen was going up. I I, I don't I know I don't know if he actually did, but it kind of looked like he, his head was arched up. Then uh, when the the penalty was called on Hamid, I did not see a linesman initially wave his flag, and that's you know, normally uh, he would wave that immediately if he saw it as a penalty. Yeah, because the lines, my linesman's probably thinking, "What's what's going on with Stoika? Yeah, that's and, never a penalty." And we don't know what he said. Obviously, the players didn't hear because they they did the famous invisible line, well, the foam line to stop the players. I, I, from I love. I said this last week. I love them doing this line to keep the players away from the linesman. He should, he should just spray the the whole game and just keep it all. Yeah. all, all well, it would place. be. It would be nice if you know the ref. The referee said, "I'm going to talk to him. Get away!" And the people just got away. Yeah, not not to have. And the, you don't actually need yeah. to do that. But yeah, children they're stand like, behind. Yeah, the line. they're like kids. <laughs> yeah. Now, talking about replays, this is something which yesterday everyone that was in the stadium will know this. And if you were listening to the broadcast at home, Pete Chad kind of like mentioned it on the broadcast as well. But after the goal went in from the penalty, after Nigo had scored that, they showed the replay on the big screen to show that it was clearly not a penalty. And and they cut it right right when the guy went down. They cut it immediately. So they didn't hold on to the... the And last week as well, Mm -hmm. they showed an incident on the screen that they probably should not have shown as well because it incites the crowd and you're not allowed to do that. And I remember a coach last or last year or the two years ago when I talked to him after the game. I can't can't remember which coach it was, but he mentioned that, oh, they seem to put on the replays really quickly here or something. It might have been Siggy. It could have been. In FIFA games, you're not, and I mean proper FIFA, not the, the video games, you're not allowed to play... Incidents like that that could incite the crowd. I thought and think it's the same for MLS. And I think the club can get fined for that. Just quick, quick, quick. The replays in the game, they do incite me sometimes. So uh, (laughs) they they shouldn't be playing those in there. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure we've had to confirm that we have paid fines in the past for doing such things. Now, is that real or is that one of Nathan's alternative facts that we give out? Zach doesn't talk to Nathan. No, I, I love Nathan. He's great. Okay. Um... I thought you guys were arch enemies. Nathan Vanstone? No, 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 no. Nathan Jones. Oh, oh Nathan. don't worry about it. Well, forget okay. it. Keep going. Um, no, um, no. They have paid. They have. My understanding is they have had to pay fines in the past for doing that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they got fined for yeah. What you're talking about again? The Kansas City game, and definitely in this game. It's really strange, though, as a supporter who's hung out in me. In meetings with these people who are going to have to pay these fines or own up to, you know, having to pay these fines, that they're willing to pay fines for that, and there's so many other things they're not willing to go toe to toe with MLS on. Maybe it's marketing. You show the replay, people find out that you know that wasn't a penalty, and then they'll go, you know what, the Whitecaps weren't at fault right. for losing right. that game. We're going to come to the next game. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. marketing. They're taking out the marketing budget. Oh yeah, so they're they're saying, okay, we'll we'll pay the MLS fine and and take we'll, it out of the marketing yeah, budget. Yeah. So a tweet here from HP, he's saucy, at A1 Sports Junkie. Or technically. As much as fans would hate to admit it, it's clear Harvey has lost a step. Aerial liability and not much going forward. De Jong starting soon. And then Whitecap Scarf says Sam had a could be. Sa- Sam was training on Friday. Um, him and two of the other guys were kind of just doing runs and stuff. But should Harvey get a rest and let Marcel have a game at left back, or I, I don't should we just 
keep going with the, the, the back four that's doing so well. I, 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 I don't have an issue with... I, I know Jordan has lost, probably lost a step, and everybody loses a step when they get the older they get. I, I, I don't think he's a liability yet. I don't I really don't think so. I think as long as he keeps uh, every keeps going... Like, again, it should have been no goals allowed in this game, and if that's the case, I don't have a problem with that. Williams is the guy that's going to be carrying the attack from the right side, I think. And that's where they're going to have to rely yeah, he on. He was great again yesterday. Yeah, forward. and I, th- I think I think he'll be the one moving forward. And this year, Jordan will be stepping up. Maybe that's what they already have planned. And they're not even, obviously, they're not going to discuss that, that that's the reason why. Okay. So yeah, we've so, just got a tweet of Freddie Montero's scarf. And it does have a picture of him on it. Is it a mock-up or is it the actual scarf? I think it's, it's from not, a website. I think it's from the website. Yeah, it's uh, from the website. It kind of looks like a Lego Freddie Montero. So I'm sure you'll be buying that, Zach. Um, and Steve. So no. So I think what I think um, you told me, you told me threw me off with that. Well, well, let's talk about Lego then. Oh, well, I can talk about Lego okay. for no. Look, guys, you let, brought it up. No. Just let it go. Okay. Oh, sorry, what were we just talking about? That's frozen. <laughs> it's like Lego. Let it go. I thought Lego was short oh, I for you're let it go. About the frozen movie. Okay. What were you we just talking about? Because I did want to say something. Frozen. No. Did you see the wrestling? No. Waffles? <laughs> Twin Peaks. Whew. Now we've completely lost Zach's train of thought. Let's get no, back no, to the tweets. No, what were we no. talking about just a second ago? I... We were talking about Jordan Harvey. Oh, right, Jordan Harvey. Okay. At so, least I know what we're talking about. Yeah, at least you know. So one thing I would say about that is, is kind of going back to what we, what we were talking about last week when we were talking about who should, who should take the penalties. And I think it's a similar kind of thing. I, I said last week, I said you don't change the penalty taker because I don't think it's good for yeah. his morale. And as we saw what happened this game, I don't think it was great for team morale in, in doing that. Um, and now Christian is going to be worried about taking penalties. Right. So I, I would say it might be a similar thing with Jordan Harvey. I, I think most of us would say, yeah, let's put on DeYoung. Or let's put on, let's put on, let's put on Marcel. Yeah, so I, when I, Sam's I, ready, let's put him on. Let's sign Alain Rochette. But, but, <laughs> um, but for right now... I don't think you change him for the chemistry, for the, for the no, sake of I, the chemistry. I agree, because this back four, they're going on about the chemistry, and it's there. You don't want to mess that up. Definitely keep that. Right. I, but I, 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 I thought Marcel actually played quite well against Montreal, and I know we'll talk about that more later, but yeah. I think he's almost deserving of, of time. But I think, again, you might mess with a good thing. Mostly a really great thing, actually. Last little bits of tweets I'm just going to read just now. Uh, Whitecap Scarf asked for our opinion on the Whitecaps midfield. He ridiculously thinks Russell Tybert should be starting. I don't even think he should be. In Montreal? Against Montreal? No, just in general. He thinks he should be starting over Jacobson and Chani at the moment Mm. because he doesn't think Jacobson has played too well of late. Uh, Salish C, Chris Corrigan, replies, Jacobson has been good. Rusty can't get a look right now or any time. Um, I thought they created more chances with Jacobson in the back and and Chani and Bola up front uh, than like against DC United. Whitecastcaf also says nothing special from Chani at the moment. I do agree that there isn't, apart from like knocking himself unconscious running into the post, he hasn't done and anything Parker. that stands and out. And Tim Parker. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I thought he lost some chiclets on that. Yeah, that was. It was so, I thought he lost some teeth. Yeah, it, it looks slow motion too when he did it. It looked like he wasn't going to actually the, the hit wor- it, and then he just decided to hit it. The worst part of it is, if my memory serves correct, it came because he took a heavy touch. Yes, which is unfortunate. 
And he was the only one in that game who did that. But last thing on this, at Lucas Klassen said Jacobson offers a lot more going forward than Tybert. Tybert can play with a bit of an edge, but that role has limited usefulness. I, again, I I would I love Rusty, and I would I would be happy to see him in that mix. But again, I think you have some good chemistry amongst those three guys playing. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing, one thing which we haven't talked about. And oh. I'll, yeah, I know what you're going to say. The big, the whole, the big yeah, hole. Yeah. Okay, so one thing we yeah we haven't talked about is the absence through suspension of Matias Laba. So going back to last week's podcast or your guest appearance this week on Radio Cascadia, Michael, uh, where we talked about how it looked like this, it looked like his yellow card may have been. Hey, let's miss the DC game because they're yeah, they're terrible. That's the easy game. They're horrible. We don't need you. Have a rest. We want you for Atlanta. We want you for. Down the road. We want you for these upcoming games. Well, I think I I, I don't think we were terrible in the middle of the park, but I do I do think we you did we did miss Matias Lava. I I disagree. I'm not obviously we're not going to discuss too much, but I don't I don't think they missed Lava. I think they were fine in the midfield. Uh, There's probably every chance if Lava had played, he'd have given away a proper penalty in Ortiz. No, No. there's always that. No. So we'll just wrap up this part of the show with some audio from the DC United locker room. We're going to hear from man of the match, Bill Hamid. And then we're also going to hear from defender Steve Birnbaum. Good friend of Christian Dean came through the college ranks together. So we'll hear from both of them. Then we're just going to go straight to the ads. And then we'll be back after that with some talk about Montreal past and Montreal present. DC Comics and Some things will always be great. DC Comics and Even though I... First of all, your overall thoughts on the game and how it played out? Um, and obviously, being on the winning team is, is a good thing. Uh, it was a tough game for us, but look, we walked out of a tough environment with long travel with three points. So, uh, all in all, it's a good game. What happened on the penalty decision for that went against you guys there at the end? Well, sure, I think you got to ask the referee. You, you feel it was like a proper, uh, like a keeper play? Uh, I did what I was taught since I was five years old. So, and, and they called a penalty. So, uh, do, do you feel like, uh, like obviously the team's gone through a losing streak? Uh, does that put added pressure on you to like you know step up your game? And, and you're leading the league in saves and everything. And does that put added pressure on you to like you know keep it going and keep it a, a clean sheet? Yeah, I think. Um, I think regardless of the situation, I, I always walk into the game with the right mentality. So um, I'm always trying to do my best, always trying to prepare from Monday for the match on Saturday and, um, and, and, and put in a good shift for my teammates, for the club, for myself and my family. Bill, how much can this victory be a jumping board to get you guys back in form and get you guys rolling again? You know, we got to enjoy it. We got to enjoy it because... Um, because uh, you have to enjoy wins, you have to enjoy the feeling, but reality is we're walking into an even tougher environment on Wednesday away with long travels. So um, the mentality has to be right from the moment we walk out of this 
stadium. We have to focus on Orlando. We can't get too high right now. There's a there's a big match coming up, and we have to make our points. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? Um, so obviously a great uh, result for you guys yeah. on the road after like going through a losing streak. Um, your overall thoughts on the first on the game? Gutsy. Um, we grinded it out. Uh, obviously we were under some pressure um, there for a bit, but um, just really proud of the guys for you know staying with it and, and pulling it out. Um, then got a little crazy, but um, you know. Just happy about the result, and hopefully this is a bit of a turning point for us. How important, um, obviously, you guys are, you know, you, you want to play a perfect game, but how important is it, how, how much confidence does it give you to have a guy like Bill behind you and making those saves, leading the league in saves right now? Yeah, we love him. You know, he comes up with huge saves for us and keeps us in games like that, and um, obviously that's what that's what got us the shutout today and the win eventually. So, um, man, I can't tell you enough how, how much he saves our butts sometimes, but... Uh, you know, it's good performance from the whole team. I thought. Do you feel like uh, this this could be like a jumping point? Like um, obviously you guys have Orlando, a tough another yeah. tough opponent in midweek. Yeah. Do you think this could be like kind of a turning point and get you guys rolling and getting out of into like a playoff position? Definitely. Um, I think we just need to get a win first of all. Like you know, going on that three game uh, home home stand where we didn't pick up any points was um, was obviously devastating. But you know, this is a. Uh, like you said, a turning point for us, and hopefully we can get a result in Orlando and then head back home and give uh, our fans something to cheer about. Uh, your former college teammate obviously plays for the Whitecaps. Yeah. Uh, hurt right now, Christian Dean. You yeah. guys were drafted very close to each other. Yeah. Have you have you had any contact with him? And kind of like he's gone through a tough time with injuries and everything like that. And obviously you're you're gone, you know made captain of DC United. Is there like you guys talk to each other? We talked uh, you know a little while before. I haven't talked to him recently. Uh, no, he's going through a tough time with injuries, but he's a good player, man. He's gonna he's gonna succeed when he gets healthy, and if he can stay he- healthy, he'll be great in the league. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Let's get to Montreal. We've got the patine. We've got the onions round our neck. We're riding a bike with our berets on. We're throwing every stereotype at you. None of us have got deodorant on. Impact. I cheese today. Curds? Yeah, sure. You look Kurdish when you've got your your thing on your head. You mean his bandana? Bandana? No. <laughs> your turbany thing. It's called a turban. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, a wind turbine. So, Montreal. First leg. <laughs> I, I'm having trouble talking to you right here. So, if anybody needs to know, if you see something like a turbine on somebody, you don't need to say a turbiny thing because it is a turbine. That's just a little bit of information from those listening at, in the AFTN world. Obviously, this will probably be cut out from the podcast, I'm assuming. I do like your headband, though. Oh, it's no. different. It's, uh, oh, I like yeah. it because it just lets the air go through the hair. Yeah. Your headband thing. I love it. Yeah. So, Montreal. First leg in the books. 2-1 lost. I've lost it. It felt like a loss. Especially at the end there. Because they should have dominated. They should have been up 3-4. It's our first show since we since the game, really. So, we'll briefly recap that. 2-1 win. 
fantastic first half. It, it was like your proverbial game of two halves. The the formation that Robo put out, he told us at training on Monday what it was going to be, and I was like, interesting. Well, he told us it was, it was going to be three five two, and then it ended up being three four two one. Arguably three five two, but then. It, it did seem to cut Mon- it seemed to catch Montreal out, yes. and they had no answer for it. They had no answer to the wing backs. They got in at half time. They regrouped and then put three up top, and that took us an awful long time to kind of realise we need to drop back to four. We need to change the shape. But I mean, the first half, the start, tremendous. It's what you hoped for. It's what you you wanted the team to go out all guns blazing. Great goal from Alfonso, took it well, showed a lot of composure. Yeah, totally. Old beyond his years, only 16. Mm. Is he 16? He's only 16. Shocker. Last year, he was only 15. And the year before that, 14. Yep. And it goes on and on. I do hear that he's probably That's the math I like when we just minus one. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's only 16. Sweet 16. And it was a sweet finish. I, I don't want to speculate, but I think next year he'll be 17. He's going to be 17 in November. Okay, so it's going to be this year. Oh, yeah. during our cup run. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. But, I mean, great finish from him, great composure. Then we got the second goal as well. Nico set up Alfonso. and Alfonso, was it. it was Nico. Alfonso, Alfonso set, up, set up Nico. Oh, I don't know if Alfonso set up Nico or he just lost the ball to yeah, Nico. I, I, Nico. I think Nico it took it off his foot. But it was great moves by Alfonso to yes. get into that position. Alfonso's sure. run led to Nico's goal. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, the two of them, they linked up fantastic in the first half. But what a change in the second half. And really, the Whitecaps were very, very fortunate to come out of that game with a 2-1 lead. Spencer Ritchie, fantastic oh, last-minute saves. Fantastic, yeah. And a I, few others before that as well. But Montreal really took it to us, and we struggled. Sem DeWitt made his debut. Him and Cole Seller, I thought, did well, but they were left a little bit exposed. In the first half, I, I did have some issues with Marcel de Jong. He seemed to go out of position. It, it was as if he thought he was playing one of the five and not one of the three because he kept like leaving Siler and DeWitt at the back and it, it did expose DeWitt a couple of times. But, okay, you probably... Yeah, I think that's fair. But I also felt that the three of them played really well, especially Sam and then... They definitely said Actually, all, all three of them, I thought, had really great moments where they broke up attacks themselves. Like, there was times, a couple of times where I was just like, okay, Sam... Is having is just cool, calm, and collected, waiting for the moment. Boom! puts his foot in, put his foot in, break up the attack. I thought Marcel also had some moments like that. I thought Marcel played actually on the whole played really well. Yeah, first 10, 15 minutes I had an issue. After that, I, I thought he did well. But I mean, the defense regrouped. They brought Nerwinski back. Nerwinski was doing well in the first half, getting forward. It looked like he enjoyed it. But they they were given a torrid time in that second half, and you do kind of fear. That if it is the same lineup that's going to come out this Tuesday, the the first half is going to be pretty much the same as well. They're going to be under the cosh because Montreal is going to want to try and get that goal that puts them ahead in the tie, and then forces the Whitecaps to open up a little bit. Yeah, even at two 0 I said to someone, even I've, actually, I said to Nathan Vanstone at halftime, we oh dropping we, names are we? We <laughs> we need to get a third, like we need to get a third goal, and we need to keep a clean sheet. Like yeah. Montreal, the clean sheet was pretty for key. me the crucial yeah. thing from that. But I do feel comfortable though that that we can go to Montreal and get at least one goal. Yeah, I think so. I, uh, I think so. Also, that, that might be dependent on how strong of a lineup Montreal puts out. I think but they're going to put a strong lineup out. We've seen in this competition yeah. before, though. 
uh, it was a couple, two, three, four years ago, the, the 2 0 loss in Toronto, followed by a 6 0 hammering. Because yes. one thing I'll say about Montreal is I think everyone in their club, everyone who, who's a part of their club, both the supporters, their ultras, their fans, the people in their front office, the, the ownership, I think they get this competition and they appreciate it probably more than anyone else. And not just because they've won it the most. Um, there's been times where they've done poorly in it and there's, they're all, the ultras there have let them know how much they don't want them to put a, a, an MLS game or a league game ahead of these games. They want them. They yeah. demand that they win this trophy. And that's, I think, ultimately what people, some people here would like, uh, like to see. Yeah, and they're going to want a taste as well of Champions League football. Totally. They, uh, that plus n- not just, yes, Champions League at the end. But to have a one-off game in Toronto to to knock to take away the same way we were talking about oh, we wish yeah. how much how much is Montreal feeling the similar or even stronger yeah. about that right so I, it's going to be hard if if Montreal goes out and puts out a same or similar lineup or I don't know if they could put out a weaker one but if they, if they put out a similar lineup uh, and they don't get the result they're going to hear about it for some time yeah. and I I, th- I think the like in, especially in the fact that it's a you know essentially a four-game tournament. That I think the Whitecaps should put a stronger lineup too, and I, and I I agree that the MLS games might be want to be sacrificed more because you could always catch up in MLS down the road. Uh, once you're out of this competition, you're done. So I I, I, pro- I, yeah. I personally see better a better lineup in this one rather than the weaker lineup in this in this competition I, in the MLS. I agree with you on that, Steve. I really wish we. I can understand maybe a first leg in the semifinal saying, okay, let's see, we, we've done it in the past. The way to Toronto one year, like all the kids played, or and were in the squad. Yep. And it was like, okay, second leg, we need to be stronger. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, say the top choice starting eleven, but it was definitely had far more players. That was the year we lost in the shootout to Toronto in the semifinals. But I have a strong feeling like it's not going to go that way this time, right? Yeah. Um. But. Before we, we talk any more about the White Caps lineup, let's just hear a very quick piece of audio from Robo. I asked him a, a couple of things about the, the lineup at training on Friday, and here's what he had to say. The game that's coming up on Tuesday in Montreal, it's a quick turnaround for you. It's probably going to be a, a different team than you play on Saturday, but with WFC 2 playing on Sunday, does that give you a little headache as to whether to play the guys in that and risk injury? Yeah, no, the guys who play on... Uh, Sunday probably won't be playing on Tuesday. The guys who don't play on Sunday have got a really good chance of playing on Tuesday. I can't afford to take a risk. It's a really important game for us. As a football club, we want to try and get through that game, a difficult tie against Montreal. Uh, But we've also got the two important Major League Soccer games. So it doesn't give me a headache. It gives Rich a headache. So that was Carl Robinson talking about the lineup and what he's looking at. Now, my question is to you guys. What like Obviously, at this point, people are assuming that it's going to be the same line by Tuesday. What do you think are the chances that Robbo throws in a, a curveball, say, and puts in a player that you don't expect? Um, uh, obviously, Laba is a very good chance that you see him because he didn't play this Saturday. But how, what about somebody else, like a top player, like Ebola or a Tejera? Mm, I, I don't see it. I think it is... I think it's going to be the same starting lineup, but with a different formation. The only th- the only change I could possibly see is that Robo wants to go with a four-one-four-one and puts Laba as the one. But I think some of the indications that I've been hearing that is not maybe going to happen. I d- I don't even think Laba might travel with the team. So, just a quick question: 
last week, the Monday, the squads came out. Those are for the first leg. First leg. So, so the t- squad will get announced yeah. on Monday for the second right. leg. So when you're listening to this on the podcast... You'll, you'll be like, those guys yeah. know nothing. Turbiny thing. The, the lineup for me, I think it will be the same. But I think they might play it in a 4-1-4-1. It's then who that one would be if it isn't Laba. Because they could, they could just go for the four-two-three-one. The the only other thing that I'm wondering about though is Alfonso obviously started on Tuesday, started on Saturday. Will they risk him starting again? Because for me, the the sensible thing would have been to put Laba in, keep Davies on the bench, and then if we're chasing the game, bring Davies on. I think the bench is going to be completely different because Robbo said there that for the Whitecaps two game today on Sunday. Anyone that played in that is likely not going to feature in the squad on Tuesday. Anybody that wasn't part of that has a very good chance of playing on Tuesday. So you look at the Whitecaps 2 lineup today for the 2-1 loss against Real Monarchs. Sem DeWitt, Cole Seiler, not playing. Declan Wynn, not playing. Gloria Amanda did play, but was taken off at half-time. Don't know if that was a tactical thing or if that was just resting him for travelling, at least, with the squad. I think it's going to be a very strong MLS-heavy bench. I expect to see Montero on it. I expect to see Waston or Parker, just in case they need to really throw another defender in there, maybe even go five at the back if they get their away goal and they want to kind of hang on to that. Um, Teixeira, I'd expect to see him on the bench as well. I talked to Glory on Saturday, actually, and he said, "Yeah, he was playing on he was playing on Sunday, and he hadn't been told yet if he was going to be a part of the trip to Montreal." And I, yeah, believe- I think everyone gets told on the Sunday because they have to sign four day contracts, right? And then the other person, there was one other person taken off at halftime today, right? Was it da- David Dave, Norman Jr. David Norman Jr. Jr. Right? Yeah. So, so I guess he could feature on on the bench as well. But I mean, you've got Bustos as well as a, another guy that you would expect to be on the bench. And we had a couple of folk asking if we knew anything about this Chilean rumours that, that's been starting. Robo said on Friday that the first of him hearing about it was when he read it online on Thursday. Uh, and then had a very long chat with Marco at training as well. Probably saying, where did this come from? I I don't think that there's too much in it right now. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Marco go on loan somewhere. Yeah. But not necessarily to Chile. No, I, you, I, 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 sorry, I and, the, and the funny thing is, is the uh, tweet by I think it was Glass City. Yep, it was liked by Michael Bustos, uh, which is Marco's brother. Right, yeah, and I also checked out the article. I Google translated it. One one point in the article, it did say was that he wouldn't count as a uh, a foreign player for Chile. Yeah, because he because has he a is uh, of Chilean uh, potatoes. Ah, he is of Chilean potatoes. So that's a very crucial that's Google thing. Translate. Yeah. Google Translate. Google Translate. So, and I it, believe there's photos of him wearing a sombrero thing. Right. I, I too would not be shocked to see Marco go on loan. In fact, I think it would probably be beneficial for him to go somewhere where he's going to play. Now, I know some people have said that the club he was linked to in Chile, that it's highly unlikely that he would play. But it could maybe, I, I, and I don't know the full setup there, maybe it could be similar to what happened with, with Kiantz, where he went and, you know, uh, 
you know, played in a like a U23 type side, um, you know, initially. I, 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 I want to see Marco play. I want to see – it feels like – it feels like when you watch him with WFC two, it's kind of like he's been doing for this for three or four years or whatever, however long it's been playing, kind of at that level, that USL level or or before the USL, maybe even PDL level or whatever. And it feels like he needs a new challenge, like he needs more of a challenge. And I know some people will say, "Oh, he hasn't he hasn't taken hold of some of those games yeah. enough." He, he but- looked good when he came on, like the, oh, yes. the little spurt that yeah. he had. I mean, he he looked. I'm well, not calling him a little spurt, no. but the little spurt that he had when he came on. Oh, he added something. Yeah, he, had he, a spurt. Lo- he looked hungry. Yeah, and that's that's what you want from him. Yes, you want to see him coming on the pitch. And saying, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show him. I'm gonna show Robo yeah. that I need to be involved in this." And we saw that on Tuesday. And right? he's very good at showing those spurts when he does come on. Spurts are his key. Uh, and I, I, I hope, honestly, I just, I hope he does it again on, on this coming Tuesday. I hope he gets time, and he hope he gets to show, you know, what he's capable of because he can be just dynamite as your song goes, Michael, in the final yes. third. Yes. And I just want to read a tweet here from at Ronan T. Allen, who asks, would putting Montero in the lineup on Tuesday maybe help him get back on track, get a little bit of confidence back? It yeah, could. It, it, it wouldn't could. hurt. That never yeah, hurts. Never hurts. And especially if you're thinking that you might want to try a different lineup against Atlanta. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, another guy who didn't play today for for, or for WFC2 was Baldissimo, right? He was on the bench. Though. Oh, yeah, but I don't yeah. see him factoring on no. Tuesday. Somebody, though, that did factor on Tuesday and somebody that, talking about grabbing your opportunities and, and taking opportunities, was Sem DeWitt. He had played against Crystal Palace in the friendly, but I don't count that as a, as a game. And uh, is it, uh, what's his name? Frazier. Aired? No, uh, for Crystal Crane? Palace. No, Frazier Campbell. Frazier Campbell showed him some runs I don't think he's seen before in that game and both the goals that he scored. But he he made his first team debut in the win against Montreal. A successful one. Yeah, I mean, he he looked good. We've talked before and we've written about it on AFTN. Robbo likes to carry five centre-backs. There's only four on the books right now because uh, of David Edgar's season-ending injury. And him and like Sam DeWitt and Francis DeVries are definitely pushing for getting that contract. And if Sam does well this coming Tuesday, there's a good chance he's going to get it. So I had a chance to speak with Sam DeWitt at WFC2 training this week. So let's play that for you now. Made your first team debut. How, how did you feel personally that the game went for yourself? Um, I can say okay. Um, I did some good stuff, and I did some uh, like the like the coach had I made some wrong decisions as well. And um, for me as a player, I'm always like hard for myself. So if I look back at that, um, I just want to improve like the things I did wrong and the things I did well. That's good for me. Like try to prove myself to the coach. I try to grab my opportunity. Um, but like like I said, I always like after the games go back home, look in the mirror. What did I good? What did I wrong? And um, I did some things like made some wrong decisions and that's for me to work on so I'm happy but it could be way better yeah Robo told me on Monday that you were playing and when did you find out that you were actually going to be part of this I signed the four day contract on Sunday and uh, Monday um, during the practice I, I, I found out like I'm going to play as a centre back yeah yeah 
Yeah. And then when you when you find out what was going through your mind, because I know when we spoke on Monday, I didn't know at that point when I spoke yeah. to you that yeah. you were going to be playing. It was yeah. afterwards. But like, how did how did that night go? Did you just think constantly about the game? Um, well, I was just I was just happy and I was just thankful, um, especially to the coaches from the first team. I mean, they gave me the opportunity. Um, uh, I got home. I just talked to my parents, told them I'm going to play. Uh, didn't really think about it too much because that's not what you want to do. I mean, uh, we, like obviously I played there against Crystal Palace. It's only one game, um, but um, yeah, just try to enjoy it. Like as soon as you get on the field, like try to enjoy it, uh, the whole like the whole occasion and stuff. And um, yeah, once the, once the, once the referee blows the whistle, like you don't you don't. It sounds weird, but you you don't like feel. Um, the stadium, you don't like, like obviously corner kicks. You just look around, you're like, oh yeah, I'm in the stadium. But like once you're playing, you're so focused, and um, you don't, you don't like. It's not like a distraction or something. No. And like the team that was out there, you've played with pretty much most of those guys, yeah. and then having Cole beside you, yeah. I, th- I think you played some of your best football last year with Cole beside you. Yeah. You seem to have a really good understanding. Yeah. No. Me and Cole, like last year, we were like a great, great duo. We played a, a bunch of games together, and. Um, um, we had a, we had a, a really good backline like with Brad on the left, uh, Gaden on the right, or is it Serban on the right? Uh, like whoever played, like we always did like a, a, a good job. And like most of the times, like I play with Cole, and there was a great relationship. We understand each other. We still have things to work on. Like you saw in the game on uh, Tuesday, miscommunication with two uh, two uh, long balls. Like we we both want to go for it, and yeah, that was. Uh, that was bad from our part, so we have to communicate there. But yeah, me and me and Cole are like feeling each other. Yeah, the three at the back. Obviously, you've had experience this year with WFC yeah. too. Although you were kind of not yeah. one of the three, but yeah. it's a it's a formation I like. But Montreal it seemed to catch them out, and then in the second half they put three up top. Yeah. Did you notice a big difference between the two halves? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, first of all, like first half we played some really good football. Um, they. They didn't know how to deal with our wing backs. Um, obviously, for my first time, I played in the middle when uh, when we played three in the back. Um, so it's all about communication, and if you don't communicate in in that formation, like you're you're gonna be screwed. Like people are gonna run run at you. Like if the gap between the the back three has to be so tight, and we did that for the most part of the game. That's why we only conceded one goal. But to be honest, they they could have scored some more goals. So there's like there's like a lot of things for us to do. In uh, on Tuesday's game, if I'm involved in that game, obviously. But yeah, the second half, we 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 kind of I don't know. We you see, like when you go up two 0 everything is going well, and in second half, like they come out flying. We already like knew that they come out flying the first 10-15, and we kind of like just dropped and dropped, and we didn't yeah. press anymore, and people were getting tired and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that was a, that was a big difference. Yeah, and. How big a difference did you notice from playing against USL guys? And then it wasn't a full strength Montreal team, but it was a pretty pretty full strength Montreal. No, I mean, I mean, if you look at the at the strikers, the, the Oduro guy, like I think he plays like almost every game for Montreal. Yeah. The Jackson guy, really good striker. Ah, um, Baloo. Baloo, Baloo, yeah, Baloo, really, really good, like talented player. And I mean, that's 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 something you want to play. Like you want to play against these guys. You want to test yourself and. Um, the things I I saw was like it's like details like um, focused um, front foot um, communication all that kind of like little things. It's not a big big difference between the 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 level. I mean, obviously like MYC is better, but it's all about details. It's a bit faster. It's like um, players move different. Um, they're more intelligent. That kind of stuff. Yeah. 
just the last thing the away goal obviously changes the dynamic of yeah. the tie a little bit yeah. but you must be confident that the team can go to Montreal and, and at least nick one goal next week yeah. no like I think our team can score goals um, um, I think we're not going to go there for yeah maybe a tie but like we want to score like we want to score goals like you want to you want to go out there and win the game you're not coming there to like oh we're just going to defend the 2-1 like we're going to go out there and try to win and um, show ourselves again and see I hope we're going through yeah that's all I can say Good yeah. luck. Hopefully you. you're in the team again. The wit and the wisdom there from Sam DeWitt. Because the song was The Wit and the Wisdom from Husker Du. Sims impressed me. He was the WFC2 Player of the Year last year. He's definitely pushing for uh, an MLS contract, and he's he's one of the most technically gifted centre backs on the Whitecaps roster. When, the, when he's got the ball at his feet, he's he's fantastic, and I, I hope he does well. He's a really nice guy, but he's also a good footballer. He's, he's come through a lot of Dutch stuff and. Just quickly before we we move on to our next bit, Ori, what what have you seen from Sam that you that you like, Zach? Yeah, I agree with you. He's he he's got the ability to play the ball with his feet well. Uh, I like what he said in that in your interview there about you know communication is really important. I also like the fact that he was like, yeah, there were some mistakes, there were some things that could have should have been better. Yeah, totally held his hand up to that, and yeah. you, you like to hear that. Totally. Now, another WSC2 player that made his first team debut on Tuesday was Kiwi international Declan Wynn. And Declan came on as a sub with about 20 minutes to go. He can play left-back, he can also play in the left wing, but he's, he's primarily known for, for being a left-back. But I th- he came on and he added a little bit. He didn't get a lot of touches on the ball, but it was good to see him involved. Robo had mentioned just before the game that he was wanting to take a look at a, a, a couple of different players. Um, and obviously Declan Wynn was one of the guys that he was wanting to have a look at. So I got a chance to chat to Declan as well at Whitecaps training this week, just about making his debut, the New Zealand national team, and a few more things as well. So here's Declan Wynn. So you made your first team debut in the game on Tuesday. When did you find out you were going to be involved with the squad? Uh, well, last week they had a. Well, most of us, I think, twelve of us, were training with the with the first team because they had. They obviously knew that the Canadian game was coming up, so we all trained a couple of days and then uh, we went to the stadium and trained. And six of us, uh, what well, signed a contract or whatnot, and then the next day, well, the, like two days before the game, we we trained with the first team, so. Yeah, so one or two days before they told us we'd be involved, which was which is quite exciting. And obviously, there's a difference between being a starter and being on the bench. When you saw what the bench was, because it's a really young bench, did you did you hope you were going to get on, or did you expect to get on? Yeah, it was more hope than uh, like expectancy to get on, because obviously there were two, well, Kyle and Busty were both on the bench, so yeah. I I, I kind of thought they would both get on, so I knew maybe one of us one of us four would get on. So really uh, pleased it was me that that got to get on. You've played at a high level, you've been at World Cups, you've played over in New Zealand. How did you find the difference in quality, though, between that Montreal team and what you've been used to in USL? Yeah, obviously the the players are a lot more experienced, a lot older, like they've got a, a lot more quality on the ball. So when I was on, we didn't have the ball for uh, 
for like the 20 minutes we were on. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was still a, still a good experience. So I was just pleased, yeah, to get on. You got 20 minutes. How, did, how would you sum up your, your performance? Oh, I think it was okay. Like, didn't, didn't have much to do, mostly just like running and running and closing the ball down. But other than that, I thought uh, I thought it was okay. Yeah, good, good, good start. And uh, we, we talked earlier in the year about this is like your first chance really for fans to see for a whole season with the injuries and then being away. How have you seen your USL season so far? I think I've done. I've been quite solid, quite a like uh, consistent when I've played. Uh, I've obviously played seven of seven of the nine games. So. I think yeah, scoring that goal gave me a lot of confidence for yeah. the for the the games after that. But I really want to, I want to keep on uh, being consistent and just and just playing as well as I can. And what did Robo say to you after the game? Oh, he just said just said well done and uh, congrats on, on the debut. Yeah, that's it really. So a little bit of talk about New Zealand now. Uh, Whitecaps got another Kiwi coming. Yeah. Uh, Meyer Brevin. Do, do you know him well, or have you had a chance to play with him much? Yeah, no. The first time I met him and played with him was when he came here for a trial. So. Obviously, news from New Zealand, and I'd heard of him from him being over in England with the with the Nike Academy. But this was the first time to, to see him play, and I thought he was he was actually quite a good player, like uh, better than a lot of strikers from New Zealand, to be honest. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased he signed here, and uh, to see he scored those two goals today is uh, it's good for the Whitecaps and good for him going forward. And a, a great win for New Zealand today against Honduras. Yeah. Four points now from the first two games that should see you through to the round of 16. How good is this under 20 team? Yeah, I think they got a lot of lot of attacking talent uh, and a lot of what five or I think four or five guys from the last twenties that I was in. So there's a lot of experience and a lot of all whites like from the senior national team and the team too. So I think today showed how good they can be. But obviously the next game is against France, which is they're one of the favourites. So it's a big test. So hopefully, uh, hopefully put in a good performance and uh, look to see if they can get through to the next round. Does it bring back memories for yourself being over there two years ago? Yeah, it was obviously that was a great time, especially since it was in New Zealand and. Just having all the fans, it was really good. But uh, yeah, obviously miss it. But now that we've got the Confederations Cup coming up, so something to look forward to. So yeah, good for me. That's great. Thanks so much, Jason. Good Thank luck. You. Congrats on the debut. Thank you very much. Declan Wynn there, just talking about all things Whitecaps in New Zealand. And Declan, as you mentioned there, has been called up for the Confederation Cup squad for New Zealand. Believe he's not away yet, though, so he is likely to be featured on the bench on Tuesday. He may have left, but I, I just, I'm not sure he's away yet, because under-20s are still on in the World Cup. We recorded that the day that New Zealand had beat Honduras, FH, hashtag. Everyone likes to see Honduras get beat. 3-1 in the end, two goals from the Whitecaps' latest Kiwi, Meyer Bevan, who looks fantastic. That addition. first goal was awesome. Yeah, 47 seconds, wham, in the net. But yeah, he, he looks a great signing, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he brings to the team. Four Kiwis now at, at the Whitecaps. We've got Declan Wynn, we've got Francis De Vries, Meyer Bevan and Ben McKendry. Yeah. Ben McHenry, though, Canadian international, though. He might be a Kiwi, but... He's a Kiwi at heart. Apparently born he, and raised. His, his, dad's a, his dad's a Kiwi. Yeah. Actually, his dad grew up just very close to the town that Francis de Vries grew up in. Oh, okay. Small cool. world. Well, small, small country. Small country. Yeah. <laughs> Filled with hobbits. But, and sheep. But Declan, we haven't had a great chance to see him, 
because he's been injured, he's been away with New Zealand. So this is his season to show. He's doing well with the USL, got a cracking goal with them. And yep, wish him well, wish Sam DeWitt well, wish everything to do with the Whitecaps well. And we'll talk just a little bit more about the Montreal game in a little bit. Still wrapped in plastic. Dale Cooper. Can he free himself from the Black Lodge? Oh, I forgot, Steve. You haven't actually seen Yeah, don't ruin that. I haven't <laughs> seen the first two episodes. Okay, let's move quickly on. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio from the unceded Musqueam Territory. This is a good day. I just scored a free bag of chips from the vending machine. <laughs> Put in two bucks for one bag, two came out. Coupled with the free hot dog I got at the WFC 2 game, today's a keeper. <laughs> That's going to be a special ring in my calendar, I think. I, of course, mentioned WFC 2. They unfortunately lost today. 2-1 defeat to Real Monarchs. But they had their highest crowd of the season, 1,131. The two highest crowds now that, that they've pulled this year have both been in Langley. Naturally. And I think it's going to continue in Langley. I think as the summer goes on, there will be more and more people showing up. To the for game. as long as it continues. Well, they can turn up for the four other games in Langley. If they turn up for the ones at Thunderbird Stadium, I don't, I don't think that's going to help them. But it, it was mutts at McLeod today. Wasn't a lot of dogs around? No, not that many. No. Dis- disappointing. Well, the one thing about the game, I, I think, you know, we heard Rob on the audio earlier say that this isn't a problem for him, uh, what's happening with the Voyager's Cup game. It's a, more of a headache for Rich, Rich Fagan. Yeah, which I actually asked him about after. Right. I don't think, I, I, to be honest, when we stop and we say, what is WFC 2? It's about development. Today was a good day for development. Yeah, or a bad day since they lost. Okay, but you, you, you do learn from your defense, Totally, yeah. you, too, you do learn. Okay, so how do, you, how do you play when you're behind two goals at home, right? Yeah. What, is, what does actually, that look like? Actually, very well, because... They went even younger in the second half and played and better. did really well. And they really should have got a point. Nazim Bartman had a couple of good chances. And you, you kind of feel that if he had got a few more games under his belt, because he's come, if you listen to our, our show a few weeks ago, he's not had a chance to train. So he's still kind of getting up to the same fitness levels and speed as the, the squad. So, yeah, it, still a lot to take from that. Yeah. So, we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens. So, just. We'll wrap up our chat about Montreal with just a, a couple of quick predictions from everyone. First of all, give me a prediction on how you think the the game and the tie will go. And will they be playing Toronto or Ottawa <laughs> in the final? That was glorious, wasn't it? Yeah, that was fun. It was oh it was so nice. Glorious. Felt so good for, you know, Stony Money Riot and by Town Boys, yeah. Fury Ultras, all those. Callum Irvin. Ka- Cali. Cali. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, that was to come back from a, a goal down. And then there was, a, there was a guy on Twitter that I retweeted who was complaining that TFC lost because they were forced to play bad Canadians. Um, I asked him, 
Why why have you signed bad Canadians to begin with then? And I don't think they would. They, some of their Canadians have done very well for them. Yeah. yeah. Osor- right. Osorio, who scored the goal. Chapman, Raheem Edwards, who... Jordan Hamilton's got, a solid, very solid player. Yeah. yeah. Got sent it, off. It was very bizarre because it's like... This tournament is made for Canadian players. Was he expecting Bradley and Outdoor to, to be playing against Ottawa? Strange. The, they might in the second or yeah. Bradley might in the second half or so second league. Who do we think is going to win that? Is Toronto going to get do what they do? Or I mean, they've got that away goal. Well, obviously, with the heart, we everyone wants Ottawa. Yeah. With the head, it's hard not to not, not to you know choose Toronto. I I think four five no Toronto. Yeah, I got TFC too. No, TFC 2s are completely different. No, I got TFC as well. <laughs> oh, okay. So, another team, of course, that's heading into the home leg with their one goal away goal is Montreal. How, how do you see this going? It, it's going to be a nerve wracker. First goal, usually you say first goal is very important. It, it isn't necessarily in this one. Whitecaps get the first goal. It does force Montreal to then open up and get two. Montreal get the first goal, though. The Whitecaps are still in it. 1-1 draw, 2-2 draw, any draw, or a Whitecaps win. And we are going through to our sixth Voyagers Cup final in the last seven years. Yeah, I think it's pretty similar with this one. The The, the heart wants us to, to, to get a 1-0 yeah, result or a 1-1 draw or something along those lines. But with the head, it's hard not to see this being 3-1 Montreal or... If Montreal really wants this badly, it could be, you know, it could be even worse. The, the, the first half, especially, I think the first twenty minutes is going to be key. If they play, as we mentioned, if they play the way that they played to start the second half, and our defense and our team is not fully on, we could easily give up a couple of quick goals. And, and to clarify, when I say really wanted, I mean by the, who they put on the field. Yeah, I um, maybe they signed Toddy. <laughs> yeah. It's a retiral league for Italians, so yeah. uh, it would be quite good. Score prediction, Zach. Oh, like I, I said, okay, I, I would love to see a 1-0, 1-1, but I have a feeling it could be more like a 3-1. Not for us, unfortunately. Steve? I'll go 1-1. One, one. I am actually going to go 2-2. Two, two. This is crazy. Yeah. Wow, okay. And if they don't, I'm going to wear a 2-2 two, two next week. Oh, I'm not here next week. Otherwise, oh. I, I would have worn well, a tutu. You can wear a tutu in Oregon. Okay, I'll, I'll Snapchat you a picture or WhatsApp it or whatever the young kids are doing these days. <laughs> Carrier pigeon. Instachat. Instachat, there we go. Facegram. <laughs> Twatface. That's a completely different app. <laughs> do not Google that if you're listening. Definitely do not Google Twatface. Actually, if you Google Twatface, Soren Stoika's picture comes up. I believe that's his new Wikipedia thing as well. So, I am confident, 2-2, the Whitecaps will go through. It's going to be 2-1, and then the Whitecaps are going to push late and then get the second goal to make it 2-2, which then screws Montreal because they'd have to get another two to win because we would have two away goals. Right. So, that is that. That's the big news. Anything else big happen this week? Why, Yes. The Whitecaps officially opened their new training pitch, and it's a beautiful sight. Zach, you were hoping to make it along on Friday, but you, you couldn't in the end. It's lovely grass fields enclosed by conifer trees. It feels, it doesn't feel like you're at UBC. Mm. It actually feels like you're in a just separate little stadium, 
players are raving about it. They all had a really good time. There's there's no one running around the athletics track. There's yeah. no altercations although, being had with uh, track and field coaches. Although I didn't <laughs> mind sometimes the people that were running around the track. It yeah. depended. It depended. Yeah, yeah. Big Simon. He was a he was a nice guy. Okay, but when you drive to you have to drive to get there, so you know you're at UBC. So, well, yes, yeah. But, but then once, once he walks through the trees and everything, he transports it's himself. Like, it's like Narnia. I was going to say it's like going it's, through the wardrobe. Yeah, I, I've basically come out the closet, and I'm in this training field, and there's grass everywhere, and it's no just, carpet. Yeah, the the White Caps press release has introducing. The best grass in Metro Vancouver. Some people will. That's a a bold statement. Yeah. Yeah. Some people might disagree. And basically they're saying after a year's long long journey toward building a dedicated training facility, the Whitecaps proudly take the field today on what is most certainly the nicest piece of grass in Metro Vancouver. Now, is that a dig at Swanguard? D-class Swanguard as Metro Vancouver with it being in Burnaby? I think you have to. There's, there's. That's, no- it might be a swipe in my front yard. Yeah, I mean, has anyone seen your your bush? No, I don't think so. I'll Man- tweet it out. Manicured I'll, per- to perfection. I'll, I'll twat face it. Yes, twat face. So check twat face for Steve's bush, and a whole load of other things as well. Uh, yeah, it very well might be. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, uh, commenting or, or swipe at, at Swangard. There's no. Many people know there's no love lost between the city of Burnaby and the Whitecaps. Yeah. The, the grass is Kentucky bluegrass uh, blend, and it's a sand-based root zone with enhanced sub-drainage system designed for specific consideration for the Vancouver climate stroke weather conditions. So uh, is that words, a swipe at TFC? That's, that's, <laughs> that's a swipe at the weather. At God, possibly. Or the new kits. Oh, yeah. It's like, why, why are they adapting? Why are they, worry, why are they worried about the rain? <laughs> We're all about the rain. They controls, it controls soil moisture and root zone temperature. Ah, this is nonsense. I'm just going to throw this away now. Anyway, let's hear a little bit of what the players had to say about it. So we're going to hear from Jordan Harvey, David Usted, and Carl Robinson as well. And we're going to also hear a little bit of their thoughts about the difference between training on grass and then playing on turf. And, yeah, some interesting comments here. Jordan, you've been with the club since uh, MLS 2011. Just what does it mean for you as a player to see you on first day on the pitch here? It's exciting. Really proud uh, moment. Um, I've been with a few clubs, and every club tries to get things in the works. And so... Um, having been here for so long and gone through the hardships of different fields and uh, turf, grass, it's really nice to step on the field. Um, I feel like my expiration date has adjusted a little bit coming out into these nice plush fields. And so I'm um, looking forward to being on here the rest of the season and then getting into our new beautiful training facility. Talk about the excitement, the build-up. Was there like a wow factor when you guys walked through the gates? For me, it felt like uh, a huge weight off my shoulders. It was weird. Um, I didn't really know how I was going to feel stepping onto here, but like you said, it's been a long time coming. And so um, stepping onto these fields that we've walked by for the last two years now as they've been built, um, it's just a really satisfying and uplifting uh, experience. 
How was it? Amazing. Uh, I, I'm never going to complain about these fields. <laughs> these are amazing. Um, and uh, like I said, super excited to do this the rest of the season. When you're training on grass, is it tough then to go and play on turf and make that adjustment? No, not not at all. Um, I've played on turf a lot. I've played at BC Place for a long time now. Um, you adjust during warm-ups. It's that simple. You get the bounces, you get the skips. Um, even BC Place, if it's sunny and they wet it, it changes throughout the game. So you just adjust accordingly. What does it mean for you coming onto the new uh, training uh, facility grass here? Uh, it's fantastic as players. Uh, I think it's a big step for the club as well to, uh, to take this club even further and, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, evolve into a championship club. This is part of the way uh, we do it, uh, having great facilities, and uh, this is certainly uh, a fantastic field. Jordan talked about the anticipation and walking by it almost every day to training. Now to actually come onto the, the pitch, just what was just going through your head? Yeah, I was just excited to get on here. Like you said, we've we've looked in here, we've standed, stood outside the the fence and looked through the little holes, and then was anticipating getting on here. But uh, it's great uh, being here now. What specifically about the field makes it different from the one you play, which is just next to here? It's soft, it's level, it's uh, enclosed, which gives uh, kind of a, a nice feel, a nice training environment as well, and. Uh, it's right uh, next to our uh, new facilities there, which is just nice. You can walk straight onto it. I want to put a smile on my face as I walked in. Um, it feels like a, a proper football club now, if I can say that, because you know it, all the pieces are in place, but we haven't had our own training facility. And today we've got to get on the grass, which is important. And I think the boy smiling tells you a lot about all you need to know. So, no, really important. The next step for us, obviously, we'll be in our facility in a, in a couple of weeks as well. Um, but it's the next stage. How did the lads do on their first session here? Terrible. No, no, they were good. They were good. They enjoyed it. It brings a little bit of liveliness and a spring in each person's step. You know, we're able to organise the pitch better because, you know, we, uh, we haven't got people running around, um, which doesn't help. But, you know, we can set it up structurally a, lot, a little bit better so it looks a bit more professional as well. Is there much difference playing on grass and then going to play the actual game on turf? No. <laughs> Does it take a lot of adjustment? Yeah, listen, it's not the same. So, uh, But the boys like training on grass, which is important, and we're used to playing on turf, we know that. It's, it's important that we are used to doing that, but you know, we don't complain about it. We just train on grass because it's better for the joints and then play on turf. So, Carol Robinson, Jordan Harvey and David who stood there talking about the new Whitecaps training facility. I, I love Robo's line. It's like, it feels like a proper football club now. Oh, well, I, was he talking about the grass or the training facility? Just everything. Oh, because everything. when okay. you haven't got your own training facility and you've got all these folk running around the track and you've got to book different fields and sometimes they're up at Musqueam, sometimes they're been at Swanguard. Well, the Musqueam thing is different. That's, yeah. Well, we're on unseeded Musqueam territory. And then they've also trained a couple of times down at that, the big green parky thing that's downtown. Oh, right, yeah. It's Stanley Park. Um, I enjoyed uh, that. That was uh, a great training session. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't wait to get there and just roll around for a couple of minutes and see how it feels. Yeah, I'm going to bring Bailey to do that as well. It, it's, it, in all seriousness, it looks fantastic. 
the actual full training facility isn't going to be finished for a couple more weeks. But just everything they've got, they've got a, a locker room for the first team, locker room for the USL team, then the residency guys coming through. And each locker room is in sight of the, the team. So you, that's your aspirations. It's like, oh, one day I, I, I could sit there beside Eric Hurtado. And 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 the, and the not uh, the way Robbo said that it's easy on the joints and everything. It, it that's the reason I don't come to training anymore. Because when I walked around on the pitch, uh, watching the players, it was hard on my joints, and I was just standing there. That that was definitely the most interesting comment of no, the. And and the thing is, it's kind of obvious that that is the case. That it is uh, turf is harder on the joints. I we played. I played in just the first media match, uh, because always scheduling got in my way. Have you recovered? Work. No, it took me two, three days to recover because yeah. I could not. The day, day after was the game, and I could barely walk up the steps. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and 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 the next few years it was just scheduling. But I'm kind of thankful that it was <laughs> my work got in the way of this because I did not want to have to go through that again. That was hard. People listening to this are probably also questioning your level of fitness, but. No, I think I think I would have had a heart issue if I was walking on grass, playing on grass. But well, I mean, as a two-time but, but, winner the, for the first two years, uh, it, it's. It's not that bad. Yeah, no. I, I'm partly part of the reason I found those comments from Robbo about the the turf and joints and all that kind of stuff a little bit interesting. Is players in the past have told some of uh, some supporters that <clears throat> they are not really publicly allowed to speak freely because if they do, let's say if they were came out and were negative about the service at BC Place, that they would be fined for that. So it was really interesting to hear him. Speak a little bit more freely than I think some of the players in the past have been. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is Leonard Doozy has talked. Whenever it's asked about Bobby Leonard Doozy about the turf and everything, he'll mention about how horrible Empire was. That and it was probably horrible. It was concrete, um, just a simple, you know, thin layer of turf on there. I'm sure it was horrible, but just because it was bad then doesn't mean it has to be bad now. You got to. I would love a grass field, and obviously the stadium. We've talked about it before. The stadium by the by the water would have been perfect for them but it's not going to happen for now i do feel though that when bobby talks about like the days at empire it's like that monty python sketch with the guys sitting around going oh when i was a lad they just used to be bathed in front of the fire oh you were lucky to have water yeah that's what it's like no and uh, yeah i mean it the bottom line is it does cost us players like it costs us players it costs us injury injuries and it costs us players who won't come here yeah signings and I was having a little chat training about this on Friday and the the feeling is that there isn't that much difference. Um so we're gonna we're hopefully gonna have a little chat with Rick Celebrini and see what he has to say about it. Because he's the guy that has to deal with all these guys with with their various injuries. But you you do wonder is it how like going from training on grass to then playing not on the pitch, has that contributed to some of the injuries? Because yeah. your body's just not used to it. Although Jordan Harvey then said you adjust in the warm-ups, you adjust right away. Right. I think this is where we're supposed to say we're not scientists and or you know we're not kinesiologists or whatever. And but yeah, I mean, or, or as Ben Olsen would say, I'm not an expert on referees. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, no, I mean, which I think is also pros new like tag phrase. <laughs> we're not an expert on referees. Yeah. No, this isn't rocket science. Turf is not the turf is not the the best surface to play football on. Turf is not the surface that footballers want to play 
sorry, turf is not the surface that footballers want to be playing uh, on. And, and and if you don't want to play on it, you definitely don't want to practice on it because you're practicing five days a week or right. four days a week, whatever right. it is. So, Leonard, last year, last year was actually I was at a session at Swangard, and three senior players were sitting there not playing. One of them, one of them was Pedro, and he had some other issues. But the other two, it was they were they were recovering from issues from playing on the turf. Yeah, Pedro had a lot of issues last year. Yeah, he he can at least take a penalty. Oh yeah, well that's one thing we didn't talk about before. Can, well, let's talk about let's, it. Let's talk about it. All those people who all the time would say, oh, Pedro has 10 goals, but seven of them are penalties? Right? Yeah. Right? Right? W- wouldn't you like that? That all he, he, Did he miss one? He missed one while he's here, right? Well, the, the, there is the new MLS rule that is, I think, actually getting announced on Tuesday where you can, it's going to be a little bit like NFL. You can sign a designated player just to bring in four set pieces. So Pedro would be great for that. Yeah. Because that's all it was really did last year. Special teams. Special teams. ML yep. special teams. No, seriously. Like, w- w- people, there were a number of people who would, uh, like, most people when talking about Pedro's stats would say that. Oh, but they were from the penalty spot. Yeah. And, but, how, and how much would you not like that clinic? Oh, no, I understand that. But that's, you're talking about one game. I'm the, the, if, over the whole season, I'd rather not have Pedro and have the no, lineup no, that no, we no, have no, right no. now. Sorry, I'm not talking about Pedro as a player, but someone who scores goal. Like, a goal is a goal. I don't care yeah. if you score from the spot, from a free kick, from half, well, a, a I think half they, in. I think, I feel like they've created more chances this year than last year. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I'm not. And, and they're sorry, finished their chances. Sorry, I wasn't asking you to bring okay. Pedro back. No, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just, saying that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying having someone Who's clinical from the spot? Yeah, and then it's nice to have. Yeah, and then but then devaluing those goals because they were from the spot is a little ludicrous. Yeah, not I ludicrous. Sorry, Michael. No. So we've kind of gone on a little bit longer than we had planned. We're As still usual. We're still within our two hours. So I mean that's Barely. fine. So we're we're gonna snip a few things. So we're not gonna bring you a wavelength tonight. <laughs> we're not gonna bring you our interview with David Edgar. We'll have that for oh. next week. I, think. I was looking forward to that. Yeah, because I'm not here next week, so at least I can be on the show. It's a, it's a good chat. We, we talked to David just about his injury, his commentating with WFC2, Canadian national team with the Gold Cup coming up, and also some Canadian Premier League chat. So watch out for that next Sunday. We will quickly talk about the game that's coming up on Saturday. Don't want to look too far ahead from Montreal. One game at a time, as Robo would say. But... We talked about special teams. Kind of a special team coming, Atlanta. On a bit of a roll. Have impressed a lot of people both on and off the pitch so far this year. And I thought this was going to be our biggest test going into it. Having lost to one of the worst teams in the Eastern DC, it's a little bit worrying. Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't see the final score today. When I left for WC2, they were like smashing NYCFC like 3-0 in the first half. What was the final score? It, yeah. 3-1. Oh, okay. 3-1. So they took their foot off the gas a yeah. little bit. Yeah, it is a little bit uh you I mean the, the you can you, looking at this last week from the moment we allowed I guess you could say allowed the the away goal to Montreal to then losing to DC United, we're on a bit of a even a brief downward trajectory. Should we go out to Montreal and then not do great against Atlanta? It's it, our form would be going in the wrong direction pretty quickly. I, 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 I I'm going to quickly disagree with you there. I don't have a problem with their form against DC United. I have a problem with their finish, but not their form. 
They they played well on, against DC sure, United. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't talking about their play. I'm, okay, gotcha. I'm in our, like the form book. Like, gotcha, our, gotcha. Our record, okay. right? Okay. Like, yeah, I think the perform- oh, there was positives in the performance. Oh yeah, yes. for sure. So it just feels like this could like we could be on a bit of a spiral yeah. when it comes to the points. Gotcha. Results. I kind of think that the Atlanta game. And when the teams don't have a book on each other, it's going to be hard to it's hard to judge what's going to happen. Um, and they're they got a, quite a few players that nobody's ever seen before. Um, I I kind of think that Atlanta has a chance to upset Vancouver again, but I think Vancouver will come out and play the way they are now. And especially if Atlanta wants to carry possession, I think that will fall into Vancouver's hands when it comes to the way they want to play. Did you use the term upset because we're at home? Yeah. Okay. Just because of home, because uh, it's hard to win on the road, right? DC showed that they ha- they've shown already this year that they've got a lot of like dangerous guys on, on their roster. Yeah, but nobody's really heard of them, so everybody's gonna take like might take them. Like not the players, opposite player, but the fans themselves. They might not realize how good they are. Yeah, do, do people watch- in Vancouver know who Almiron is? No, yeah. Yeah. we have to watch for number seventeen though. Yeah, look out, number seventeen. So good. Yeah, <laughs> Steve. Steve gave us I got you, 17. Do, do you know what he was talking about? No idea. So in Atlanta this year, instead of giving like their supporters oh. the, the 12th number because they're entering the league in 17. Gotcha. 17 is a no-touch number for players because it's the fan supporters of the club. It's good because it's a number. Nobody really touches 17 anyways among the players. Well, Andrew Jacobson used to be our 17. And before that, a gentleman named Omar Salgado. Well, that was, again... No, shouldn't be touched ever again. <laughs> yeah, no, no one should be seventeen ever again. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, question: with the, the Atlanta support, how much the support do you think they will get in the BC place traveling? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they'll get quite a bit. I know they've sent uh, numbers to some places. I know the, our first the club has sent numbers. Is the club setting this up? No, no, no. Oh, you mean their support just yeah. in general? Yeah. I, in our first season in the league, there was a lot of folk just going because it was the, the new time, experience. Really. Yeah, so. You're likely to see that. They've got a roster. They've got a lot of, like, MLS veterans. They, I mean, they've got... Laurentowitz. Yeah. And Tyrone Mears. Right. Oh, yeah. Is Martinez fit? Joseph Martinez, the striker? I don't know if he's fit. I don't think he played today. It's too many games. hard to keep track of what they're doing. Yeah. Kenwin Jones. Kenwin Jones. Oh, right. Yeah, well, we've already beaten him once. Yeah. Well, twi- <laughs> oh, once or twice. Once here, anyways. I don't think he played in the first leg. No, he didn't. He he wasn't allowed to because the hand got everything signed. Right. But yet we did a good interview with him after it here, so that was good. So qu- quick predictions just before we wrap the show up. Atlanta, I got... Uh, I, I think it's a 2-2 draw. Ooh, Zachary. I think we lose 3-2. I think we lose 3-1. Shocker. I don't. I, 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 I hate this. It, like it hurts saying yeah. that. Like I, it's I, painful. I, like if we take something from this, that this this is a good mark of the team. Yeah, I think. I think. The, I think we have a chance to take something. Sorry. I think if we get past Montreal, I, I hope that will help the morale of this of the group. Even though they might be diff- totally different players, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, g- going out of the Canadian Championship and then losing to DC, you don't want to come into a game like no. this and any kind of b- bad mindset. But this Whitecap squad is one of the most confident, great moods. It's like very they're they're always upbeat. They're always confident that they're going to do well. They're confident in their own abilities, unless they're fighting over the ball for a penalty. Yeah, let's not mention penalties anymore. So that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. 
brought to you in conjunction with bcsoccerweb.com. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online, Zach. Yeah, so just before we do that, I just wanted to uh, say, a qu- say a quick word. Steve said I had 30 minutes, so I'll try and keep it under 30 minutes. I th- you can probably meant seconds, but um, for those of you who are Whitecap supporters, those of you who are active in the stadium, those of you who are part of uh, part of uh, supporter groups or in the supporter sections and, and, and care about the – the vocal and visual support in the stadium. Um, you'll notice that both. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're part of if you're a member of the South Side, you've gotten some emails. Uh, you, you, they've done some surveys. Uh, initial survey went out a, f- a few weeks ago or whatever, and they have just a survey, a short survey that they just sent out this past week. If you haven't already filled that out, let me encourage you to fill that out. If you're a partner in Curva Collective, make sure you check your inbox, uh, check the private Facebook page, and make sure you respond to uh, some questions we have, uh, very similar questions we have there about uh, general admission. The supporters in, in Vancouver, uh, are uh, these, these two groups are coming together to try and help the supporter culture in Vancouver pro- progress and to create uh, opportunity and spaces for future generations of supporters uh, to to have a home and um, and so yeah they're looking at at how 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 can we make a general admission section uh, a part of that and possible uh, because of the various benefits that come from that setup so uh, both both those both the groups Cover Collective and the Vancouver Southsiders would love your your perspective would love your feedback on that so please make sure you connect with them if you're uh, in any way so inclined to um, to be a part of that kind of thing going forward. My name is Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. On Twitter, you can find me at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the Movement Curva Collective. And I'm Steve Pander. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Most of Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and the color commentator for TSSRovers.com. So get out to see a Cascadian Derby. Pretty much everything in the PDL is a Cascadian derby, apart from the Calgary Games, which is a Canadian derby. But Portland Timbers are coming to town on Friday. Mm. 7 o'clock kick-off at Swan Guard. Be there or be square. Or listen to myself and Gideon doing the stream on YouTube. Anyway, as always, thanks for listening to our nonsense again this week. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon. Maybe with a post-Montreal pre-Atlanta preview show. If I get some audio together for that, I'm thinking I'm going to be doing that. If not, we'll be back next Sunday on CITR. So until then, take care. Thanks for listening. And, and mon the, the caps. caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.